Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What's up? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. This is our very first episode ever. We've done some preview episodes. We've been rehearsing for what feels like two months. Yes. I think it has been around yeah, been, there. Uh, two but I want to know for you, because I'm pumped up to do this. I had a little nerves last night, like kind of like pregame jitters. What? You, how does this compare to like an NBA Finals type vibe for you? Did you sleep okay last night? Uh, I slept like a baby last <laughs> night, like a baby. We had JCC playoffs yesterday. Oh, you I was did. worn out. My, vo- you know, I was a little worried because I was like, is my voice gonna rebound for tomorrow morning? <laughs> like it's my day job. I got to be ready for this. Yep. All right. I like it. I'm pumped up. So I, I was a little nervous. You slept like a baby. That's probably because you were a seasoned vet. Yeah. I'm still kind of like a hack journeyman. <laughs> so I'm trying to just you know keep it afloat over here, driving the show but uh thanks for checking us out if you got to listen to some of the previews hope you like them hope you liked what you're going to hear on this podcast uh just a couple dudes chopping it up talking some sports talking some relationships i think we're both going to talk about our kids a lot so if there are any parents that are listening we'll give you some fashion advice like whatever the people need we're going to give it to them yeah clearly you'll have more fashion advice of course clearly yeah clearly um thanks for checking us out you can subscribe to us that'd be awesome uh, on Apple Podcasts, you can also find us pretty much anywhere they have podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, more. Follow us on Twitter at Canel and Bell. Um, it's not exactly the most followers yet, but we're working on it. So give us a shout out on there. It's more than Raja has on Twitter. Check us out. So far. Tweet. Yeah. Uh, we got a huge show lined up. First show, ton to get to. Um, some college football, your team, the Canes struggled. We got some NBA beef out there. We got problems we got to hit on. Nasty injuries, some guaranteed contracts, a ton to get into. But you know where I thought we should start off the show? Tell me. With bad quarterback play. Plenty of Because who is the best, who is the expert to talk about bad quarterback? No, no, it is me. (laughs) It is, no one can talk about bad quarterbacks like I can because at one time I was a bad NFL quarterback, you know, just trying to survive, trying to get a paycheck, stealing as many as I could. Uh, but there have been some bad quarterbacks out there. So I want to go through some situations with you, Raja, of teams that some of them are in trouble, some of them are not, and I want to hear where you think they are as far as this scale. Yeah, let's do it. And I think the best scale you can do it is from from Danny Cannell on one end okay. all the way to Tom Brady on the other. Like that's the scale of judgment of so, bad quarterback play. All right, enough. 10 so, to 1, Danny Cannell <laughs> yeah. at a 10. Well, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, sorry. that would be the panic meter, right. and one would be you don't have to worry about anything at all. Got it. All right, the first situation that really bothered me coming into this weekend was the Buffalo Bills. So Sean McDermott, head coach, comes out with the announcement that they're going to make a quarterback switch. They're 5-4. and four. They're very much in the hunt for the playoffs. And they come out and say, you know what, Tyrod Taylor, he's been all right, but we're going to go with a rookie, fifth-round draft pick, uh, Nate Peterman, out of Pitt, a solid quarterback you know, in college. And they decide to bench their starting quarterback, who was 64% completion rate, uh, percentage on the year, had 10 touchdowns, three interceptions, so he's making good decisions with the football. And they say, you know what? It's not enough. We're going to make a change to a guy who has not taken an NFL snap up until that game. That was an asinine decision uh, by whoever made that. Now, I know... You know, head coaches are paid to make the decisions, right? He might get input from whoever else on his staff, uh, but that was a silly move. Look, it's not like Peterman was was someone you moved up in the draft to get. It's it, that you were just waiting to hand the ball to. This was a fifth round pick, and he was an okay college quarterback. This isn't 
you know, this isn't uh, the the kid in Chicago, Trubisky, or someone right. like that, who you are waiting and salivating to see what he's going to do. Not to mention that when I watch Buffalo play, like, yeah, there are questions about Tyrod. I like Tyrod, but there are questions out there. Let's be frank. His teammates seem to really have his back. They have a good chemistry out there on a day-to-day um, from just watching their games. When I watched it yesterday, it, it looked like, and I could just be making this up and playing the result, it looked like the team was down a little bit. It didn't look like they were as invested um, as they were normally with Tyrod. And so it begs the question for me and why I would say that on a panic scale meter, you're at an eight right now. You pissed off Tyrod Taylor, right? And he might have been playing for the team, but now he knows that he's not your future at quarterback. So now he's playing for the team, but playing for me first, right? That's where I'm at now. Let me get mine. Let me not get hurt. Let me make sure that I have enough tape to show to these GMs across the league because I won't be back here in Buffalo. And now I got to worry about whether the team, the team that you've, you've put agendas in front of their winning possibilities yep. is on board with me. I think this is a fireable offense. Like, and, and I, I was, this is, this was my take because I don't want to play the result and say, well, yeah, because Nate Peterman threw five interceptions, zero touchdown, he was six of 14 for 66 uh, yards. That was one of the worst quarterbacks in five, history. Five picks. But stop throwing the ball after three picks. All right. <laughs> Especially in a half. Real talk. So stop throwing the ball at that point. But, when I when I look at this, so before the game, so I was I was shocked when this came. We did some stuff here at CBS Sports, and I was like, I, "This is a shocker to me. You don't see this happening. If you're going to make this move, you better make damn sure that this is the next Tom Brady. Like yes. he better have shown you that he's the next Tom Brady, which is impossible to show that because nobody saw that coming. But he better go out and play well because if he doesn't, and you had Tyrod Taylor on the bench, and you show how badly you judge this. Now I know Peterman. Had a good preseason, but preseason is a whole different ball game than the regular season. And this to me, like, I, this why, this why it really bothers me, Raja. I got cut for guys that looked great in the preseason. Yeah. And then were never, never panned out. And, but you can fool people in the preseason sure, because it's a different, you're only showing you like one or two coverages. You're playing with mostly backups. And I guarantee you, Nate Peterman was a good pro, like came in early and he probably asked the right questions. Yeah, made it look was, good. Yeah, yeah, made it look good and they fell in love with him. But this to me is one of the biggest hack jobs by making this, this move at this point in the season. I thought they totally played their hand saying, well, we like Tyrod Taylor, but we're looking for something better. There's contractual obligations no, cool. where they have Guess to make a move. Guess who's looking for something better now? Yeah. Tyrod Taylor. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, and I hope he can't, I hope he does. I hope he gives him the middle finger and says, see you later, Buffalo. Yeah. I want it to get somewhere else. But now they might be stuck with him because now they have no chance. And I hope he comes in and balls out. Like I really do. Me too. Here's what I'll say about preseason real quick. Asked the question the other night about did I get to play against Michael Jordan. Sure did. Scored 21 on him in my first preseason game in, <laughs> uh, in Penn State. Yeah. Right? Um, Preseason, when I saw him in the regular season, didn't score a point, played three minutes. Me, personally. Like, <laughs> right. they're just two different animals. Right. right, and it's the same way. They're dudes that are different speeds. Like, guys don't care in the preseason. You, you face the starters, they're going through the motions, don't get hurt. Exactly. You play some backups, they'll try hard, but they're no good. Like, they're the guys that are backups that are going to get cut. So, for that one, I'm putting the bills. Like, they need – this is a fireable offense. Like, if their season implodes, it's because of this move. Yep. And they had to know that going into this. They had to know that whether it's Sean McDermott or offense coordinator Rick Dennison, who was uh, uh, offensive line coach for me in Denver like he's a good coach but you cannot be fooled that by that bad by a guy who practices well all right another team that coming into the season lit it up the first few weeks they blow out the Patriots everybody falls in love with the Chiefs everybody falls in love with Alex Smith MVP candidate 
And now, all of a sudden, he's had two of his worst games in a row. They're starting to lose some. They've lost a lot of that shine that everybody was giving them. Can the Kansas City Chiefs, can they win the Super Bowl with Alex Smith? Uh, I don't, I don't think they can win the Super Bowl this year just for the same reasons you said that, that Jacksonville couldn't. The, the road through the AFC is brutal. Yep. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not hanging these, like, Alex Smith's legacy on these last two games. Like, I think he, he came out, he was playing great. They've hit a lull in the season. Something's funky there in the locker room. Uh, typically in a season, NFL, NBA, uh, MLB, like, you have your ups and your downs, right? You might hit this lull in the season and things yeah, you, just aren't you lose clicking. to the Giants. That, it's that's really ugly. bad. No, that's <laughs> ugly, admittedly. But I'm not, I'm not ready to say that, that a quarterback that looked really, really good four or five weeks ago, um, isn't able to get it done in the NFL just because he's had two bad games. Here's where I would disagree with you. Yeah. I think the Chiefs can win the Super Bowl with Alex Smith. I don't know if it would be this year, but there's going to be some rumblings for Patrick Mahomes. They drafted him in the first round. He's sexy. He's got yeah. a cannon for an arm. That's what they were looking for was bigger plays, which they got through the first you know, uh, sure. eight games of the season. They were lighting it up just because they stumbled the last two. Alex Smith is the definition of a game manager up to this point, but in the early parts of the season, he was a big playmaker. Yeah. All of a sudden, they had Tyree Kill getting huge plays. Kareem Hunt is going off. They have one of the best rushing attacks. Just because they stumbled for two weeks, it's. I think people forget the NFL season is a marathon. It is a 16-game grind where you have to kind of – you have to – be able to withstand these lulls in the season where you struggle. The Patriots got theirs out of the way early, early right. when people were questioning them. Now they're back. But the thing I like about the the Chiefs, they're going to win their division. Like they they've got the they're in the first place in the AFC West. They're six and four. The Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos are all not very good football teams. So I think if they can get that advantage of having a home field game, I know they've had it before and and, and fallen apart. But I still think the Chiefs can win a Super Bowl. With Alex Smith, this so I don't year. think that panic meter. I don't think I think it's closer to Tom Brady than it is to Danny Cannell, to be it. to be sure. <laughs> All right, next team up, the Green Bay Packers. Mm. Brett Hundley comes in for Aaron Rodgers after he gets hurt. As soon as that injury happened, and it really doesn't matter, you'd have to have one of the premier backups in the league to think otherwise. But as soon as Rodgers went down, and they said it was going to be extended time, I thought the Packers' playoff hopes, not Super Bowl hopes, playoff hopes, were done. What do you say? Um, I didn't realize like how, how average the rest of that roster was. Like I didn't, no, I really, I didn't realize how much, and it sounds absurd because he's might maybe the best quarterback next to Tom Brady in the game right now. You, it's arguably one and two or one A, one B. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you can yeah. have that argument, right? But the rest of that roster is just not very good without him. And so I lobbied at the time for like Colin Kaepernick again. Like I sound like a, like his agent, but I was like, look, you have an opportunity to stay viable until Aaron Rodgers gets back. Um, they just don't. It didn't matter if Cap was there or not. Like the rest of that roster isn't built uh, to withstand the loss of um, of Aaron Rodgers. So in a, in a panic situation, how many weeks until he comes back tentatively? Or well, they're possibly? trying. He's questionable. This is where it gets really interesting for the Packers. I, I think they're done without him. Yeah. And I think it speaks more of how great Aaron Rodgers is that he's been able to win with this roster sure. than it does about Brett Hundley's you know uh, deficiencies as a backup quarterback. So they're five and five. They're in the hunt, the Vikings are gonna win the division. They're at eight and two. But if they could kind of just keep it close to maybe a wild card spot, there's a chance. They've talked about, uh, Rodgers coming back for the last couple weeks of the season. I don't think they should, because yeah. I think they'll be knocked out before then. That'll be a really tough decision for them to make. 
but I think they'll be done. I, I, I don't, I, I think their season is done. Brett Hundley, I thought was an, an, a serviceable backup. Like he'd come in and maybe give you two or three games, but he needs more experience. Same like we were talking about with Nate Peterman. Brett Hundley, I think is a better backup because he has more experience. He's played a little bit more. Right. He's getting that valuable experience now where, where it'll make him a better quarterback in the future, but they're just, their roster is not that good. It's not and that's, that good. this should fall on the front office of the Packers more so than it should anything else. Well, I heard someone the other day about, I mean, I guess, you know, the question for Aaron Rodgers, if you sit back, and, and you remove yourself from the situation, you're watching, you take account of what they've actually put around you. Like, how how good do you feel about... He's hinted at that a lot. But see, as a quarterback, you get put in a really tough spot because if you make a plea for better players, what are you telling all those players that are on your roster right then? Yeah, no, I like, it puts it's you the LeBron, in a It's the LeBron thing, right? Yes. Like, I won't keep signing here. Yes. And then you got Kyrie and them looking around like, well, like what are we? Right, yeah, exactly. No, so it's a tough bind. You have to do that almost behind closed doors. You have to be going in, which I'm sure A-Rod does, is goes into the front office and says, we got to get more help. Because, I mean, as much as Jordy Nelson has been all right, like you can't win games with him being your premier guy. You've got to get other weapons around him. Here's my the other running game has been a joke. Like it, like Aaron Rodgers is unreal yeah, as sick. a quarterback. He's a yeah. video game. Like yep. he's, my, my other beef, though, is is like you bring in Hundley. And this is not just Hundley. This is any backup quarterback. Um, if they're your guy. And, and McCarthy, this is our guy. Like yeah. we're staying with him. Which he was. They drafted him. They like him a lot. Why Why not open the playbook up for these guys, though? Why? Like I only watched their first game with him because I was really like I wanted to see what he was going to do. And it was just dink and dump and right. run and dink and dump. And then it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Is he not ready to play? Or can he not get anything done because you won't let him sling the ball Here's around what, the yard? You want to know what I think it is? Yeah. I think it's Mike McCarthy's system. I think he asked you to dink and dunk. It's very similar to what the Chiefs have always gotten. We were just talking about right. Alex Smith. And Aaron, Aaron Rodgers gives big plays because he makes them when he improvises. Right. And they get all these huge plays. And I think he's one of the best deep throwers of all time. But he's also able to make things happen when things break down. So it kind of it masks the conservative nature of that system where I think if you get a backup who's in there just going through the progressions, hey, what gives That's what, what you're going to get. Yes. And so I think that's more because I think that's another deficiency with the Packers team, not only without Aaron Rodgers, but with Mike McCarthy as a play caller, they're not very good. Mm-hmm. And then Aaron Rodgers has voiced a lot. There's a, there's a rift between those two that a lot of people don't know about that Rodgers drives him nuts, the conservative play calling. He wants to open things up, so he just does it on his own. Yeah, he's, he's like, like screw that. All right, last team up in the quarterbacks for bad play. Dak Prescott. Uh, Now, this is one where I don't think it's bad quarterback play. I think you're having a young quarterback in his second year who played exceptionally well through a year and a half, and he's playing without the best rusher in the game. And you're getting, I don't want to say exposed, because I still think Dak Prescott is the future for the Dallas Cowboys. Make no mistake about it. He is the future of this team. But without his running game, there's going to be a it's going to be a painful learning process as he learns to play quarterback without a running game. Yeah, that's that's tough because you come in. It's almost you get institutionalized to a degree, right? Like you come in, and I liken it to my time in Phoenix. Like I was growing as a player, and I got to Phoenix, and we had this. You know, Steve Nash was the best point guard in the league, and you know, I I reaped the benefits of having him there from all the threes I shot and all of that, but. You know, I, I stopped learning how to play with the ball in my hand and I yeah. had just got that opportunity the year before. So that part of my game, the growth was stunted. I, I would never second guess it. It was the best thing that ever happened to me, but I had to give up to get. And I feel like Dak, because he was protected by this offensive line and this great running game in Ezekiel Elliott, um, he, like that became kind of who he was as a quarterback in the NFL. Like this is always going to be what it is. And that's not always the case, right? Mm-hmm. So that growth, I believe, I believe was stunted a little bit. And I don't know if like, 
if in the NFL they have player development guys like they do in the NBA, but yep, someone has to continue working with him on on the, on the things that he might be called on to do when you don't have Zeke. And again, like I know this is off topic. We talked about the distraction of that. Yeah. Like I thought they did a great job all year of not being not being caught up in the day to day of the court cases. But man, they really, really, really miss him. And and um and what is it? Ty, what's what's the offensive lineman's name? Smith. Ty, Tyron, Tyron Smith. Smith. Without their yeah. left tackle, they've been a different team. I still think. You should be able to mask that problem, and you but you can't mask being without Zeke Elliott. Yeah. Now, some people totally disagree with that. They say, well, the left tackle, he's a pro bowler. He makes that much of a difference. You can find ways to chip, to help. Uh, it's I, I just think the running back with a dynamic difference maker, uh, you know, with Alfred Morris or Darren McFadden, they're just not the same level of running back. So this begs the next question for me because Alfred Morris had like 96 yards yesterday. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a bad – Well, that uh, was but, the thing that opened up. It was like, all right, well, they still were able to run the ball – but it's just a difference because defenses don't res- they don't they don't respect Alfred Morris the same, so they'll still be able to come up and shut him down. Right. But I think but you, but I think you saw Dak struggle in the second half particularly because they're not as intimidated by any other runner that's not named Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott. You and I agree on this. I think we talk about momentum and and the intangibles to a team, right? Like yeah. and, and sometimes the stats guys and the analytics don't put stock in it. But Dallas Cowboys locker room without Zeke. Yeah. It's, it's the reverse of what you're saying about the Eagles. They didn't respect. Right. I don't believe Dallas believes the same degree when they don't have Zeke back there running the ball. Like right. You might come up with similar yard production, but the belief in what can get done when you hand said player the ball isn't the same as it is when you hand Zeke the ball. They desperately need Tyron Smith back. He possibly could play Thursday. I know he was really close to playing yesterday, so I would expect him to be back Thursday, which we'll get to see if it's that much of a difference. They're not getting Zeke back for another few games, so it'll matter. Danny, I want to ask you. What's up? What was oh, by the way, for anybody who's listening the first time, this is Eric. I'm not even going to go there. We just call him Debo because his last name is something. Say it real quick. DeBaradinas. DeBaradinas. Not that hard. We're just lazy. Debo's we don't even better. say it. Yeah, Debo's a lot easier. All right, what you got? What was the worst game you ever played? <laughs> oh, I know. He's looking at it right there. So I know he's Googled this, which yeah. I can appreciate. So speaking of bad quarterback, I believe – are you going by yardage or interceptions? I know the worst game I ever played was three interceptions because I literally stopped throwing the ball after three because like, I, I didn't do want to go down five. Yep. I think it was 113 yards. Is there one with double digits? You're giving yourself too much credit. Eight, <laughs> eight, 83 yards. You were 10 for 27 for 83. Oh, my gosh. Is that garbage. Who was and, that against? Um, three picks against the Buccaneers. That was – In 98. So that was with the New York Giants. Yep. Dude, that was awful. That was, that was a Sunday and, uh, night primetime game too. That was uh <laughs> that was against John Lynch, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks. They uh, were that was the that Tampa was two yeah, of primetime of all time, like great defense. You lost twenty Thanks. to three. Appreciate that. Thanks for bringing that up, Debo. That's the kind of uh, production we get out of our producer who just likes to humiliate. Solid his effort host. there, Debo. Yeah, thanks. Solid for that. effort. All right, you know who's not a bad quarterback is Tom Brady. Yeah. He goes out Mexico City. Like, I was worried about them because I, I think the Patriots are going to win again. Like, I, I just think they're that good. I, I hope they get challenged. You know, the, the Steelers' offense is getting, you know, up to par. and But I just feel like Brady's on a mission. They made those moves to win the Super Bowl now because he's at 40. I was worried about that game thinking, man, it's in Mexico City. Like, they trained in uh, at the Air Force Academy to train at altitude. Yeah. So you've got altitude down there. But I was a little bit curious. I thought they might stumble on the road because of some of the – off the field activities. Now, I probably shouldn't with the Patriots because I guarantee Bill Belichick. But for NBA guys, yeah. I think it's a totally different story. <laughs> Mexico City. Did you ever play there? I did play in Mexico City. All right, so I, I would picture guys sitting in their hotel room, not wanting to go out. There's a lot of there's a dangerous culture. Like you might get kidnapped or right. something. 
But do you think it's a little different than that? It was a little different, and I had the same like I had the same thought process when I went. I had just left Dallas. Uh, this might have been like oh four, maybe. I went to I went to Utah, and we played a preseason game in Mexico City, and. Um, oh, so that's the first, that's the first alert right yeah, there. Like preseason, preseason man, um, it's on. But they had it set up and like we had, you know, we had Eduardo Nahara was on my, my ex, you know, Dallas team. And so, you know, they were doing a big thing for him and we went to like, uh, like the governor's mansion and there was all this security and they just, we started getting after it in this huge backyard and, <laughs> you know, before we knew it, this I was like I, security's watching, right? Like this is, yeah, no, this party. is secure yeah. perimeter, yeah. like barbed wire. <laughs> like we're in this huge courtyard, just having a really good time. They put on an event for the jazz and the Mavericks. And then um, afterwards, like, I don't know, I missed, like, the Jazz bus back to the hotel, oh, and I'm, I'm back with the it's Mavericks dudes, good. and we're out, in the, we're out on the town, and Mexico City was awesome. We had a great time. I really? Was, I was garbage the next day in Mexico City. I was, <laughs> How it was did it boring. compare to other NBA cities? Uh, well, because you had to have security, and, and, and you, you know, it, it wasn't as good as, like, in L.A. or something like that, but I was pleasantly surprised, but, like... When you're talking NBA cities, like you want to get into NBA cities, yeah, like, like I you think wanna, you should judge NBA cities on who you should bet. Like if you're a gambler, right. and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, they like to put a little something. Yeah, I often look for anytime teams are on the road, they're traveling to New York City, they're traveling to Miami, or they're going to LA. Like, and they have a day off before. I would absolutely take uh, the home team in those, even no matter how. Like last year, I took a bunch of teams that played against the Lakers, even though they were atrocious. Yeah, and won some money on those just by the. The night before play. Like, nope. that should be a bet. Those are solid bets. Yeah. Those are solid bets. Those what three are some sneaky are... ones that you wouldn't know? Sneaky cities. Houston. Really? Yeah, Houston can well, be Well, they sneaky. have great strip clubs. Yeah, great right? strip clubs. Like, that's the... Great strip clubs. So, it's the... so that's the scene there. Yeah, and I wasn't a strip club guy, but right. like... They... But yeah. Strip club... uh, they Toronto. Can... Yeah. Toronto's a really cool city. A lot to get into. Um... Uh, I'm trying to think of sneaky ones. Ones you I mean, Atlanta, da- At- another strip yeah. club city. Another strip club city, correct? <laughs> um, Dallas, always a good time. Like Dallas has a nice popping uh, little scene See, that you that's can get into. I, I'm not. I'm look. I'm not saying because I would have partied, but I'm jealous because you guys, you guys get to stay and have fun. Like you get there a day early. NFL, when you travel on the road, you are on lockdown. Like 11 o'clock curfew yeah, the right. night before the game, and you bounce 15 minutes after the game. Like you're in the plane back home. You don't get the road trips, which is probably better for NFL marriages than NBA. Marriages yeah. <laughs> like you don't you have less opportunity to screw up, right? But I was always jealous of that, especially when I was single playing. I'm like, man, I'm like they, we were going to these great cities and you're sitting in a hotel room. Like we might go out for a nice dinner right. if we were lucky and the coaching staff didn't schedule a meeting right at seven or eight o'clock, so you were screwed. Like I'm jealous of that. Yeah, you guys well, had that. I mean, so many games though. You're on the road for 41 games, and yeah, you know, you're out there on nights where you don't have a game the next day and yeah. stuff like that. You got to find stuff to get it to. All right, let's transition into some college football because. And you are officially don't, even do it. don't do it. You're a Miami Hurricane guy. Yeah. Now, just so people know, like you kind of are the bandwagon definition of bandwagon. You didn't go there. You didn't go to school Wait, at you UM. Have to go to a school to be a true fan of that school. You should be. I mean, that should technically I, be the definition, especially in college. Oh my game. god! But you did grow up down there. I did. Your dad my dad worked. was an associate AD right, there. So I, grew, I literally there. lived on the campus. Okay, so we'll like, give you a pass right. on that one. But the Miami Hurricanes were playing Virginia. And I spoke with Mark Rick last week, and I told him to his face. I said, I am terrified for you. Yeah. Not for the game against Clemson, but for the next two games. It was Virginia, and then now they have to go next week to Pittsburgh. I said, I'm terrified for you because your team has been up and down. They played down to level competition, and they and that was like a total trap game. So I'm watching the game unfold. It's 14 to nothing, and I am thinking, here we go. I had just put the Hurricanes number one in my poll. I'm putting my reputation on the line for them. They're down 14 to nothing at home, and I'm thinking they are going to blow it. So 
I've been known to put out a tweet or two to oh, kind of get after some fans. So I said, looks like the Hurricanes are back all right, SMH. And I, so a lot of Hurricane fans were mad at me. And then, of course, the team comes back. But they were down 28 to yeah. 14. Yeah. And then they got the pick six, scored 14 points really fast and never looked back. But are you concerned about the Hurricanes now against Pittsburgh and against Clemson? I'm not. I think they're going to smack Pittsburgh. I because think, of that game? Yeah, and I think that – Because of this past weekend, like, yeah, woke them up. because UVA woke them up. And, I, and I, I do believe that it was a trap game. I do believe that the, the, the emotional energy uh, exerted for the last two weeks, Virginia Tech and Notre Dame, uh, senior day. Like, you're coming out there – like, people can't put into account – that's an emotional day. And I'm not – these aren't excuses. I'm just – this is why I wasn't super concerned when I looked up and it was 14-0 and I, I wasn't home and someone told me the score – it sucked, but I was like, okay. So I got home and I turned, I turned it on. I started watching it, and I was saying to my dad, who was sitting there with me, like, I'm not that worried. Like, we we look, we look fine. We look like we're the better team. We're not getting it done, but I'm really not worried. Now that kid from uh, Virginia doing what he did with, oh yeah, like, Ben Kirk, the quarterback, was I, on fire. I'm not hanging that on Miami defense. Like that was one of those games that guys have every now and again where you're not going to stop that. That could have been Alabama defense, and and you, he would have done that. He was having that zone type of game. Um, I believe that we are the most battle-tested team in the country. I believe that. We have been in some dog fights, some high-pressure situations, albeit mostly at home. But seriously, those are character-building wins. I think we're going to wake up, bounce back against Pittsburgh, and then it's a roll of the dice against Clemson. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that Clemson's not uh, able to beat us the same way we're able to beat Clemson, but I'm not that worried about them having lost um, <laughs> so 14 nothing in, in the are, first quarter. You are 100% accurate. Yeah. You guys are one of the most battle-tested teams in the country, which I normally would like. The problem is I don't want to see those battles against Virginia, against North Carolina. But it wasn't. Georgia, Virginia Texas. wasn't, though. We beat, we, you beat it by 16. That is true. You guys actually yeah, did come back and, and, and made it up at the end. Um, I, I love this team. Like, yeah. the speed jumps out to me. I can't wait to see them play Clemson. So all these Hurricanes fans were trolling me. They think I was hating Miami. Like, I root for the Canes right. because of my connection with Mark Rick, because he was my quarterback coach at Florida State, because I put my reputation on the line, because I have them ranked number one. Right. I want them to get to that championship game. I want to see them play there. And it's good for the conference, the ACC, if they remain undefeated till that, because that will be an epic stage. For, for the Hurricanes to showcase their brand, for the ACC to have Clemson, one loss. It could be number one versus number two yeah. if some things shake out in the in the rivalry weekend this weekend. So I am not a hater of the Hurricanes, even though the fans – I I actually gave them – I said, you're welcome for letting me wake up this team. Because it was like the ultimate jinx tweet. Like you yeah. send it, and then all oh, of a sudden things start going listen, the other way, which I was, was great. I was MFing you. In the, <laughs> I was like, this guy has completely ruined. I bet you were. All right, so we'll see how the Hurricanes fare the rest of the season. They got Pittsburgh. Don't choke. Don't don't gag Miami Hurricanes. I want to see you guys in the in the uh, in the championship game undefeated. All right, this next topic is something I've been dying to get to because it's an NBA topic mm -hmm. because it involves a player which is one of the most polarizing rookies we've seen because of his dad and all this stuff. But we're not going to talk about his dad first. We're going to talk about Lonzo Ball. And Friday night, he was in a – or he wasn't. His team was in a little scuffle during the game versus the Suns. It was a close game. Um, and he walked away, just said, you know what? I, and he looked back, walked away from it. And after the game, he was asked about why didn't he help out his teammates. And here's what he said. I mean, it's the NBA. Keep playing where they're going to fight. So I ain't trying to get no tech. All right, this pissed me off so bad. You don't even understand because I don't. I think Lonzo Ball is so overrated because of his dad, which which drive. That's a separate thing. Your team, Lavar. I can't stand the dude. But what did you make of Lonzo's 
actions and his comments afterwards. Uh, let me take it. I'm gonna take a deep breath here right? <laughs> because I don't believe that Alonzo Ball is overrated. I think that he has a very unique skill set and and he gets people to play with him, which is a talent in and of itself. Having said that, he is way too lackadaisical a player for a rookie. You have to find some dog. You have to find an energy level that is sustainable in NBA games. You can't roll out there being too cool for damn school every game. It doesn't. The NBA grind doesn't lend itself to that. And that's what I saw in that altercation. Like a guy that was just too cool for whatever was going down. That does not play well with your teammates. That does not play well with the front office. Like, no, NBA guys aren't going to fight because that costs too much money. There are too many game suspensions for that. But when people are out there beefing, right, you better have your nose in it if you want to be part of that team. And I want to see you have your nose in that. If I'm a teammate that's in some stuff, it means you got my back. And right. that's not what stu- that's that he sent the opposite message with what he did the other day. Here's what I don't even care. Fake it. Go out there and fake it. Do one of those moves where you're like, hold me back, hold me back. But Damn you right. got to get your nose in there and show your teammates that you're ready to go to battle with them. You, you know, cause you're, no one is going to, they do a lot of scuffle. It's just this, this, this guys are going to push. They're just going to talk crazy trash. It's not that big a deal. Just get back in it and show your teammates you're willing to go to battle. Danny, I gotta, them. I gotta be honest. I, it made me wonder if, if that he's already not part of the group. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like in every locker room, there's a group, right? There are guys that get down, and that's a young team. So I'm, there's probably one big group. It's probably not factioned off into older guys, younger guys. And if you're not a part of that young group, and if you were, you would have been over there in that fray. If for nothing else, just to say, hey, my man, you don't need to do that. Keep, come on, keep your money. Like you'd be trying to protect one of your teammates yes. from financial loss. Yes. Not, not, not just, you know, fisticuffs, if you will. But it made me wonder whether they're already as a group tired of whatever it is he and the pops bring to the table and I don't know that for a fact but that's what I had to think watching him just walk away from his teammates here's the problem I have with it is I thought it sent a message and this goes back to his dad the way he was raised I think it's always been about the brand it's been about you guys getting paid it's never been about what's great for the team it's never been about winning championships when he lost his last game at UCLA First thing he did out was like, yep, I'm done. I'm That's going true. to the NBA. That bothers me. Now, you, is something you referenced, because Luke Walton said someone from the team talked to him about it. Luke Walton addressed what you're talking about. He said the team loves him. Quote, he's one of the few rookies I've ever seen that everybody is just kind of drawn toward him. Everyone really wants him to succeed. They all love playing with his group, whether it's practice or the game. I would say Luke Walton has to say that now. Like he has to come to his defense after that went down on the court. So I don't know where it is on the inside that locker room, but man, his actions are spits telling some different message. They absolutely are. LeVar Ball and Lonzo Ball both preach nothing matters unless my team wins. Doesn't matter unless my team wins. Um, typically wherever he's been, his teams have won and, and in large part due to him. Like he took a, he took a UCLA offense that was inept. Uh, two years before he got there and made him one of the best offenses uh, in college basketball last year. Here's here's the deal, though. Like, on court is one thing, right? But being a good teammate, being a good dude, being invested um, emotionally with what, what the team is doing off the court and not just being an individual is the other part of that equation. Mm-hmm. And as you progress levels, like, you might get away with just on-court production in UCLA. Everybody hates you. Right. I don't know that they did, but right. let's just say. But once you get to the NBA, brother, you ain't good enough to do it like that. Right. You got to have on-court production and you got to be a part of the team. People have to feel like you got their back, they got your back, they got to, you know, you got to work together. You're not good enough to transcend that at this point. And what happens when your dad is becoming this thing and he's one of the most polarizing figures in sports, which is crazy because he doesn't even play? You have to earn your keep even more. 
Like, cause it's, I think people are probably, and I believe he's probably liked by his teammates. I bet he's, I think, cause to me, he seems like a pretty good kid. Like yeah. he's shy. He's not like his dad, which makes me like him that much more. But an opportunity like that, you have to, you have to make the most of that opportunity to earn your teammates. And no matter what, if you become so big without earning it, it happened with Tim Tebow. He became bigger than the game of football and he was taking a team to the playoffs even, and he wasn't playing that good, but like his backers were like, this kid's great. Team guys get jealous of the conversation, the spotlight when you don't earn it. Like guys aren't going to get jealous of LeBron because he's one of the best players in the game. But if you're getting it before you deserve it, which is where I think Lonzo is, yeah, I think his teammates could. There could be a jealousy underneath that starts to creep in. So you have to do even more to prove yourself to your teammates. Now he did come back, bounce back, had a huge, uh, had a triple double last night, his second this season already. So he is backing it somewhat with his play, but he's been erratic, which is what you would expect from a rookie. Yeah, I, look, if he can figure out again how to lay how to lay it out there like he just seems res- like he's keeping something in reserve like you know this this era of kid has this coolness about them that, that, that basketball is not a cool game football not a cool game these are games where you got to lay your heart on the line like you go out there and you let it all hang out right um and and but that's the new attitude of younger generation hate, they kind of play it. cool but I, you can be cool off the court yeah like he shows more passion when he's dancing at the club, and he's dropping his he's single. Yeah, yeah. Why, why not show some passion on the court? Because I think he looks like a fool when he does that. Right, he right, dances. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean I, but show some of that passion on the court. It was a Dave and Buster's. Uh, yeah, exactly. How cool can that be? He's I mean, a good I, player. He need. He has to. Lay, he's got to find that energy level that is needed to to sustain. He's not triple double every night, right? But sustain a, 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 an output. All right. Let's bring in Debo. Even though I thought about uh, boycotting this segment since he sold me down the river uh, earlier in the segment, getting out the stats of my worst game and didn't follow with the stats of my best do, game. But do that you want ain't your cool. Best game? No, I don't want it. I don't need it. <laughs> um, let's get to topics. This is my favorite segment. It's just called topics. We get random stuff that's out there. Debo's going to lead us in, and we'll uh, react, react to him. What you got? for us all right so something we learned while rehearsing this show raja big baseball guy both you guys <laughs> not big we on, say that in jest uh, not big on steven strasburg because he's him, one of the softest players oh, professional athletes we've ever seen so that's why we're calling this segment softer than strasburg yes. <laughs> okay so i have a question for you guys is leonard fournette a football player softer than steven strasburg earlier this week before the game against the browns the jags rookie running back told the media I'm not for playing in the snow or playing in the cold. You take a little hit and it hurts. I hate the cold, period. So, <laughs> is Fournette softer than Strasburg? Hell no. It is cold, and it sucks playing in the cold. It's why I live in South Florida. It's why I didn't retire to New York. Who wants to be in the damn cold taking hits from 350-pound linemen? Leonard Fournette obviously not buying into the strategy of going out with no sleeves, no shirt, <laughs> no like and just going out there and saying, I'm tough, I don't care. He's being open about his feelings. I would say he was softer than Strasburg if he didn't go out and have 28 carries for 111 right, yards. Right. So you can say in whatever you can have in the snow. You can say whatever you want to the media, but if you go out and do that, you're not soft. I will say this. Durability is going to be an issue for Fournette. He's been banged up a lot this season. I'm worried about him off the field. His team suspended him for a game. Yeah. I don't know what's going on in Jacksonville. But keep going out and doing that because your your team with this defense is built for you to get a lot of carries and to carry this offense. So keep doing it, and you won't be softer than Strasburg. All right, who's next? So on Saturday, Baker Mayfield yep. had himself a day. Mm. Before the game, Kansas players and kids didn't want to shake his hands, and that kind of set him off. <laughs> Oklahoma won easily. During the game, though, Baker was seen grabbing his crotch and yeah. screaming expletives at the Kansas sideline. He apologized after the game. But will or should this cost 
cost him in the Heisman or his draft stock moving forward? Oh, Baker, Baker, Baker. <laughs> Baker is easily set off, apparently, coming from a former easily set off like athlete. <laughs> yeah. I can appreciate it. Yeah. Um, you didn't count to 10? I, I rarely <laughs> counted to 10. They told me to count backwards, though, because it would help like set off the right versus left brain, and I calmed down a little bit. Oh, wait, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, what I was, wait, who told you this? Some, a psychologist? Yeah, a sports psychologist somewhere I saw. I don't, <laughs> wait, did the team make you sit with a psychologist? <laughs> we'll get into that another episode. <laughs> um, so, no, here's the deal. Um, I just – if Baker Mayfield continues to do this, because this isn't the first offense, right? Right. Then it is going to be a red flag if I'm looking at it from a front office perspective, all right? We'll have five or six guys sitting around a room, maybe more in an NFL uh, uh, front office or draft meeting, and we're going to pro and con it. We're going to go through all of our background. We've got – we've got um, – you know, we've got reports. We've checked with different people, like trainers he's worked with, equipment guys. We want to know how he treats the people in the lunchroom. You just want to know what kind of character guy he is. Um, there will be some red flags if this is a continual thing for him, if this is what he's doing every week. But at the end of the day, uh, what is going to be important is whether he can get it done and, and your staff feels like he'll get it done for you on the field, whether he can throw touchdowns and not throw picks, whether he can lead a team down the field, right, or whether he's going to be stagnant as an offense. That is what's going to determine whether he's drafted or not. It is not going to be him grabbing his crotch, albeit that is ugly. Nobody wants to see that. Right. But that's not going to be the determining factor on a kid like Baker Mayfield. Um, it's going to be his on-the-field play. There are a couple things you can't do. You can't shoot the bird. You can't give him the middle finger because yeah. the people are going to see that. Yeah. And you can't grab your crotch. Like, go ahead, MF everybody. You can do all that. I don't care if people read your lips. Like, people are okay with that. Right. You could have said M – like, and you could you could read his – no one's going to make a big deal out of that. But the, those are two things you just cannot do when you're on the field and you're a Heisman Trophy most likely winner. You have to be aware of that. Be aware of your situation. Now, I hated that he did it. I love what he's doing. I think he's going to be the steal of the draft because he might drop because of this. He's 34 touchdowns, five interceptions, one of maybe the best quarterbacks we've seen of all time. Here's what bothers me. I don't think he's going, I don't think this affects his draft status as much as people make it out to be. Dave Pass was calling the game and he immediately referenced it. He said, this is unacceptable. NBA scouts are going to look at this and they're going to take this into consideration. Are they going to, yes, they're going to discuss it, but ultimately they're going to throw on the film that it'd say, can he play? He's had issues. He's, he planted the flag at Ohio State, which I love. Like he was on the road. He balled out. He swooped him. Go plant the flag. More serious, gets arrested in the offseason, can't run away from the cop. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Like, where's your 40 speed if you can't run out, out <laughs> run a cop uh, on video? But I don't think, ultimately, I don't think it's that big a deal. Initial reaction, yeah. I think he's still going to win the Heisman. I don't think it phases that. I think it's in our society, in, in our commentary from experts, we all like to say, this is going to kill him. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to matter at all. Don't forget Johnny Manziel with all his crap that went on was still selected in the first round. So here's, here's where, all right, uh, on the field, right? Great player. But now we do, like you just alluded to him. Now we have a history of Baker Mayfield. It's not just a singular crotch grab, right? We've got yeah. an arrest. All right. We've got a flag planting. We've got a lot of stuff going on. So when I'm sitting in that front office, what it says is judgment issues. Like he has a problem. And with the recent Johnny Manziel roll of the dice, like, this could scare people away. Like, I sat in the front office. You have different personality types in there, right? Like, yeah. me, I was a player. Like, and I played with a lot of emotion. So, a dude like that doesn't bother me. I'm, right. I'm always lobbying you for want, like, You yeah. want a guy who's passionate about the yes. game of football, who's a competitor, who wants to win. Now, the thing that's unique about it is the quarterback is such a unique position. And you, you rarely see, like, how many quarterbacks do you see that talk crazy trash? 
Now I'll say this. I think Brady talks a lot of trash, yeah. but he's just really good at it. Like uh, MJ was a great trash talker. Nobody really knew about it because he knew how to do it really subtly and get in your head. But as a quarterback, you got to be able to hide it a little bit well, better. Leave your helmet on. Yes. Like, leave your helmet on and say whatever you want. They, they Come on. Yep. All right. Last one. What you got? All right. We'll see if Baker calms down with the antics this Saturday against West Virginia. West Virginia. No, he ain't controlling it. He won't grab his crotch again, but he's going to be talking trash. He just, he won't stop. Will Greer not going to be playing because he suffered a very gruesome injury this past Saturday. And I've no problem admitting on this debut episode, I'm, I'm pretty queasy. So. <laughs> Did you have to turn your head? Yeah, I turned off you the couldn't channel. watch. Um, but Greer got hit on a collision going towards the end zone, got up. His middle finger was basically dangling. Oh. Has, has to have surgery on that. Yeah. We'll post a picture of that on Canel and Bell on Twitter. But what's the worst injury you guys have suffered, and what's the worst one you've seen during your careers? I think I was pretty, I was pretty lucky. Like I didn't, I didn't see any really gruesome injuries. Um, the worst injury I had was a torn scaphalunate in my wrist, and it was just, it was excruciating. The rehab was bad, but the worst, like in terms of optics, was probably my my pinky here. Like I, in New Jersey, I stuck it in on a loose ball, and it popped out sideways, so it was like at a ninety degree angle, like that. Yeah. Um. But I just had the trainer just pop that bad boy back in, and, and then put some tape around yeah, it. I didn't even tape it, baby. Let's go. Come on. Nah, and then you stayed in the game. Yeah, we played, man. Like, really? I, yeah, man. This thing will be fine. We iced it up after the game. So we'll I did. Right. I did this. My my ring finger. I hit on a helmet and broke it. Yeah. I, I had to. I came out of the game though. Now I feel kind of <laughs> soft. But I was a quarterback, man. Yeah, course, I needed this. Right? It was my right throwing finger. I had to have it. I've seen some nasty ones. I've seen like, and we've saw the Gordon Hayward. Like that was one of the That's most gross. horrific looking injury we've seen. Uh, I saw some of those in practice, like guys at Florida state, there was one, one time it was like a walk on receiver and it was awful because it was that gruesome. And we did the old, all right, let's just move the drill and keep going. <laughs> you know, but that was the mindset <laughs> in football was like, we can't waste the time. Yeah. yeah. No exactly. Teddy Bridgewater or crying during no, practice. No, no, they didn't shut it down and call off the rest of practice. Uh, and I don't think it was, be that was just a mind. I don't think it would have mattered if it was a star player either. That was just the mindset at the time was we got to get our work done. We'll go ahead, check on him after practice. So it was different, but uh, we've definitely seen a lot of injuries there. So, all right. Uh, that's it, man. Let's wrap it up. It was fun. How you feel? First episode in the can. What do you feel? Yeah, feel I good? Feel, I feel pretty good. Yeah, All right. Think, yeah. Me too. Hopefully, cool. hopefully the people who stuck around for the entire 35, 40 minutes enjoyed what they heard. We're going to give you that and more. Don't forget Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're going to be dropping episodes. Wednesday, we're going to have, uh, talk some college football playoffs. We'll get into some more NFL stuff. We're going to get Brady Quinn on here from CBS Sports nice. and FS1, do some college football talk. Uh, but hopefully you liked it. Check us out. Thanks for listening. Follow us on at Canel and Bell on Twitter. We need that Twitter follower up, that account. we got to get it up there. There's going to be an extension to the show, a place you can get a bonus off-the-bench content. You can find some videos. Our guy Ryan has been crushing it on there with some stuff. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts uh, so you can check us out. Leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to us on the five-star review. Tell us what you want to hear. Ask us questions. If you have a question for me or Raja, Drop us a question on there. If you do that, we will answer them. Whatever it is, like try to embarrass us. It's going to be kind of like truth or dare. Like you ask the question, Don't we have to me. answer it. No, you Don't have to be me. honest, man. You can't, you can't dodge hey. those questions like you did in the NBA. <laughs> All right. That's it, man. Hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for checking us out. This has been Off the Bench with Canel and Bell.